Well, we are into our second month of our theme, which is Knowing Jesus. If you remember back uh, on Vision Sunday in October, we announced probably the most simple but the most profound vision that we have ever announced, which is quite simply that we are making this a year. And actually beyond that, we're making this our lifetime's mission to know Jesus, to love Jesus, to follow Jesus and to share Jesus. And when we think about knowing Jesus, uh, you know, there are lots of obvious things that spring to mind. But as I thought and prayed about this message I have just really felt that God is leading us as a church into an uncomfortable space. Oh, I know. It's not a popular thing to bring, is it? It'd be much nicer if I said, God's just going to increase your bank balance, everybody, and we could all go home smiling. But you know what? That's just not the life that we're called to. We're called to a life of radical faith and trust and obedience. So I have entitled my message, Into the unknown, because a huge part of knowing Jesus is discovering him in the unknown places. It's, it's not so easy to get to know Jesus when we're comfortable, safe, and secure, but it's out on the faith waters. It's out in those places where there is no plan B. It's out in the place where we feel uncomfortable and entirely out of sorts, that's where we discover who Jesus really is. We can sing about him being a way maker, but if we never need him to make a way for us, we're never really going to discover if he lives up to his name. Now, my daughter, Aria, I have permission from her to show this. This is her last week. We were with our Hub Church family last week. There were some really exciting things happening there. We planted a church Nigel and Nikki Langford were sent with a great team from this church into Woodford uh, several years ago now. And they are planting again into Leytonstone. And there are some really cool things happening. So we were with them just praying into that and talking into that last week. And this is how my daughter chose to get dressed up to go to Hub Church. If you don't know, if you don't have children under the age of about seven, you may not know that she is dressed as Queen Elsa from Frozen 2. And this is very specifically the Frozen 2 outfit, I would like you to know. And she also took a flamingo. I mean, there were two VIPs in Hub Church's mids. Never mind Jesus. We had Queen Elsa and a flamingo rocking up to Woodford last week. I went to see Frozen 2 with Aria um, several weeks ago. And there's this moment. You see... Elsa and Anna, they'd been on some major encounters and adventures in Frozen 1, but you meet them at the beginning of Frozen 2 where everything is going well. They fought the battles they need to fight. Um, Anna has been unfrozen and is, is, you know, everything's good. The eternal winter that was set off by Elsa has now bloomed and flourished and we find them in an autumn phase. The seasons are progressing. All is well. And then Queen Elsa is going to bed and she hears a voice. And it's an unsettling voice and it's a quiet voice. And she tries to block it out because she's like, no, all's good. I don't want to listen to you. I don't want any more adventure. I'm done. I'm comfortable. Things are good. I'm not listening. I'm blocking out this voice. But the voice continues. I'm not going to do it because it's a slightly operatic voice and it's a bit embarrassing to do. But you'll have to imagine that 
Go and watch the film if you need to. So she's getting more and more unsettled by this voice, and she thinks she's going a bit mad. And then, of course, the moment comes where she is on the precipice. She's deciding, do I stay in this comfortable, nice kingdom that I have created, or do I follow this voice into the unknown? And, of course, there's a power ballad just to seal the moment of adventure, and she sings about following this voice into the unknown place, and off she goes. I just think it's a beautiful picture of how it's supposed to be for us. Listen, church, when was the last time you did something for the first time? When was the last time you did something for the first time? You see, the one characteristic I can honestly say about my years with Jesus is that he has just never allowed me to become comfortable. And there are moments where I get really cross with him about that. I feel like it's ju- I've just got to a place where I feel like I slightly know what I'm doing. And then he does something like say, oh, why don't you lead a church? And, uh, you know, it begins again. And then I just get to a point where I feel like, okay, okay, I can see. I can see I was meant to do this. And then he goes, oh, how about leading a network and have another baby whilst you're at it? Comfort is not something that we sign up for when we follow Jesus. There's a beautiful word. You know how much I love words. The word venture. And I just want to unpack this for a mo. A venture To venture is to undertake a risky or daring course of action. It's to dare to do something that may be considered audacious. And it's also a new activity that involves risk or uncertainty. A life with Jesus is a life venturing into the unknown places, into those places that aren't familiar. And I believe that where we find ourselves currently as Skylark Church and as Skylark International, our network, is a little bit like the Israelites found themselves at the beginning of Joshua. There's this territory that God has promised. There is this place, but it looks terrifying. It looks enormous. It looks as though there may well be giants inhabiting that land. It looks impossible. And yet... Between the Israelites and the Jordan, there is this call to venture into that land. And this is what God says to Joshua. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified or dismayed in the Amplified, intimidated. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then there's this beautiful verse that Jesus says in John 10. My sheep will hear my voice and I know each one and they will follow me. I believe that God is calling us out into unknown places. Now, talking about Nigel Langford, several years ago when Nigel and Nikki were heading up the student ministry here, which at the time was called Flux, he invited Peter and I to lead worship at a student day, which he was hosting in one of those outdoor challenge places, which sounded great until I found myself at the top of something looking a bit like this. It wasn't quite as bad as that, I have to be honest. It was like a big wooden tower. And I had a harness on, and before me was nothing. 
except for a zip wire. And I just remember standing there and feeling absolutely petrified. And there were people behind me who were like raring to go. And there I was just looking at nothingness and thinking, but it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense to step off the edge of this tiny platform. Look how high up I am. Look how far it is to the other side of the lake. Ah! But there came this moment where my desire for a faith adventure overrode my desire for safety. And sure enough, I put two feet over the edge, and it was so exhilarating. This is a bit what I look like. Um, I, well, actually, I don't know. I didn't see myself, but that's how I imagine I look like. So today, church, I want to invite you to venture into the unknown. Venture, a new activity, something risky, something uncertain. And I'm going to unpack four characteristics of the unknown. And then I'm going to talk about what I believe Jesus is saying to us, what we need to have in order to step into the unknown with him. So the first thing about the unknown, and this is fairly obvious, it's not rocket science, the unknown is an uncertain place. Unknown equals uncertain. Why else would God say to Joshua, be strong and courageous if it wasn't going to require strength and courage? Uncertain places carry risk. When we look at something that is uncertain, we don't know what's coming. Deep waters, exploration, scoping out new territory, leaps of faith, It's what we're designed for as followers of Jesus. We're not designed for a comfortable, safe, and secure life. We come alive and we thrive when we're out of our depth, when we're taking territory, when we're stepping out into those uncertain places. One of the major faith steps that really triggered our whole journey, which is probably about 19 years ago now, is when uh, Pete and I made the decision, we really felt the still small voice of God calling us to give up a fifth of our salary in order to volunteer into the church, into the life of the worship department. And on paper, we'd just moved into our first home. Uh, It probably wasn't the best time to do that. But we knew because we knew that that's what he was asking us to do. And I remember so vividly going to see my head teacher at the time and explaining what I wanted to do and him looking at me as though I was slightly insane, um, but signing the the relevant paperwork and agreeing for me to move down to a four-day week. And Pete did the same. And I also remember the panic that ensued when several years later... God called us out of our careers completely. And Pete was amazing. Pete Pete just is amazing. I mean, the name Peter means rock. And honestly, I can tell you, that is how my husband is. So if he felt terrified, he didn't really articulate it. Whereas I got home and just thought, what are we going to do? How are we going to pay the mortgage? What will I tell my parents? And all of this is going through my head. Um, So the next day, after we'd really had confirmation that that's what God was asking us to do, Pete went straight in and handed his notice in. Three weeks. Three weeks it took me. And I'm telling you this, that is never a good plan, right? Because I had too long to think about it. And so then I began to overanalyze everything. But I'd never have been able to take that enormous step to leave behind my career, pension scheme, all of those things, if we hadn't taken the first step, which is 20%. Um, you know, fifth of the salary, let's do it. Not everybody's called to do that. I'm not telling you that to say, 
give up your job. That's what the Lord's saying. No, that's our unique journey. And God knew where he was going to place us. But obeying the still small voice and the call of God, it's unnerving. There's always uncertainty. It doesn't add up on paper. Whatever it is, it's not going to stack up. I think about the first disciples. When Jesus called them, Luke 5, 11 tells us, they left everything behind and followed Jesus. You see, hearing that voice is one thing, but following that voice is another. It takes strength and it takes courage. There's that moment, isn't there, after Jesus has called his disciples and he's shown them a load of stuff, he sends out 72 of them. And he says, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. I mean, it's an interesting image. It probably wouldn't be the most encouraging thing to be told as you're being sent out by Jesus. Yeah, you're going as lambs. There's a whole load of wolves wanting to get you. There's a risk attached when Jesus calls us and sends us out where he has us. It's not a life without danger, as we heard this morning, as we heard that amazing, inspiring story of past, the pastor in Nigeria. A life venturing into the unknown is also uncomfortable. Do not be terrified is the command that comes. Do not be terrified. That always makes me think of Captain Mannering and Dad's army. Don't panic, Captain Mannering, when everybody's panicking. I reckon at this point, as they're looking at the promised land, the Israelites were probably feeling pretty scared. And I should think that Joshua at the helm was feeling crazily scared, even though he was a seasoned warrior. We live in a world consumed by fear. Our world and our media thrive on making us afraid of the future. Just look at all the coverage surrounding Brexit. Listen, I don't want to get into what our viewpoints were, whether we're standing on the precipice of what's happened and we're bitterly disappointed or whether we are cheering. We're still moving into an unknown space as a nation, aren't we? And there's fear everywhere that you look. There's fear about what's going to happen. There comes a point for all of us where our desire for a faith adventure has to outweigh our desire for comfort. And against that backdrop, I think we've made an idol out of being comfortable and safe and secure. Just think about what, what's instilled into us from such a young age at school or at college or at university. It's all about getting to this elusive place where we have enough. And actually, when we have enough, then the next elusive holy grail is to have more than enough so that we can just show off to everybody what we have. We want to get the best pension. We want to get the best job security. There's nothing wrong with those things unless those things start to have us. And unless at one point when God says, do you know what? Enough. It's time to step out. If we can't do it when he asks, then we have a problem. So what can we do against this backdrop of fear? I guess the call is to be fearless, but if I'm honest, I don't think it's possible to be entirely fearless this side of eternity. But I think it is possible to fear less. I've spoken about this before, but I want to say it again because I think we're going to need this key as we move forward into some of the things that God is calling us to as a church in the days to come. We may not be fearless, 
but we can each choose to fear less. How do we do that? What does it look like in reality? Well, just a simple strap line. Move faster than your fear. If you can be one step ahead of your fear, then it's less likely to overtake you. So it doesn't mean that you won't feel it. It doesn't mean I didn't feel terrified when we were asked to take on the church. Oh, I can remember sitting exactly where F.A. is sitting. The day they announced that we were, we were going to be the next leaders, I was looking at that door. I wanted to bolt with everything that was within me. Honestly, I just... I felt sick to the pit of my stomach. And then again, when it was announced to the senior leaders of our network that we were stepping into leading the network, oh, just I can remember feeling that fear. So it's not the absence of fear. Faith is not the absence of fear. But it's learning to just stay one step ahead of the game when it comes to fear. Because if fear is pursuing you, if it's running behind you, if you stop and take a moment to pause or you look behind you, it's going to catch up with you and then you'll be paralyzed. You'll never do it. But if you can just keep saying yes and just keep taking one step after another step after another step, then fear, yeah, you may well feel it, but it's not going to overtake you. Where is God calling you to step out? If you wait till you have all the finances in place, all the resources you need to serve God, you'll never do it. I would never have done it in that case. I remember so clearly having a conversation with Pete's mum. And this is a lady who once went to a meeting. She, she was running a, a charity in Uganda, and at one stage they were treating 25% of the population affected by HIV AIDS. They were doing incredible work. And she went and sat around the table with some government funders in the UK, and she had started a building project. And she had started the building project without having everything she needed in the bank. In fact, I don't think she had a fraction of what was needed in the bank, but she knew it was what God was calling them to do. And it was part of the next stage of being able to do what God was calling them to do. So she sits with these funders and they look at everything and they say, wow, Ruth, you know, this is incredible what you're doing. And we do have money that we want to invest into this area. However, we just noticed that alongside palliative care and alongside um, looking after emotional well-being, you've put here spiritual well-being. And you've talked about being a Christian organization. And if you would just remove that from the document, then no problem, you can have your funding. The building has started. It's, million, it's millions of pounds that she's looking for and has stepped out and believing for. And in that moment... She takes a deep breath and she says, thank you so much for your time today. We'll find the funding another way. And she says that as she leaves that meeting, her heart is in her mouth and her, her hands are trembling. And she rings her best friend, Ron, who was the medical director at the time. And she says, you'll never believe what I've just done. She gets onto the tr train and she begins to go home. And she gets a call. Would you come back in? So she turns around, gets on another train, gets back into London. We've decided to change our mind, Ruth. Actually, you can leave it in. We're going to give you your funding. Isn't that amazing? I mean, talk about Waymaker. So this is a lady with absolute outrageous, audacious faith. But when her son and daughter-in-law come and say, 
we feel called to step out of our careers and set up a schools where charity. We don't really know what we're going to do, but we've seen your example. We've watched you live by faith, and we know that God can provide for us. What was her first response? Oh, don't step out until you've got all the money up front. Don't do that. You've got good jobs. And we laugh about it together now, but she said, He's my baby. What did you expect me to respond? It's fine for me to take that risk, but I didn't want to see him take that risk. Look, if we wait till we have everything up front, all our ducks in a row, guys, we're never going to venture into the unknown. And frankly, faith is only discovered. It only develops. Knowing Jesus in his fullness only happens when we are out there with no plan B. Coming back to the 72, Jesus says to them, go, go. That's a word for someone today. Go, 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 go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. I always think about that. Going out, they don't know where they're going to stay. They don't really know what they're doing. And they don't exactly know where they're going. And he's like, oh, and by the way, don't wear any footwear. Like, don't wear any footwear. And don't take any money. So you can't provide for yourself. And actually, just don't take any possessions. Don't bother taking a bag. It tells us quite a lot, though, doesn't it? Why does Jesus do that when he's sending them out? He wants them to discover his power at work in and through their lives. He wants them to come back with testimonies of what he's done, his goodness, his incredible kindness, his outrageous grace, his healing power. And so he says, nah, don't take it. Don't take anything that could cause you to rely upon yourself because in your self-reliance, actually you won't discover me quite in the way you would as if you just totally have to rely on me. They're forced into that reliance on God. There's something in this church. There's something in this. Think about the rich young ruler. This encounter just floored me as I studied it this week. Absolutely floored me because this guy, he's done everything. He's ticked all the commandments. And he's like, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life, teacher? And this is what it says. Looking at him, Jesus felt a love. And I just want to pause there. I love that. That's Jesus' response to this guy. He's not mad. He just feels this overwhelming compassion, this high regard. That's, that's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Jesus holds this man in high regard. And he said to him, you lack one thing. Go, sell all your property, give the money to the poor, and you will have abundant treasure in heaven. And come, follow me, becoming my disciple, believing and trusting in me, and walking the same path of life that I walk. And then this is the guy's response. But the man was saddened at Jesus' words, and he left grieving because he owned much property and had many possessions. Uh, this is the bit that floored me. Which he treasured more than his relationship with God. Which he treasured more than his relationship with God. Church, knowing Jesus is not a tick box exercise. It's a relationship relationship. 
It's a walk of trust, of dependency, of obedience, and it takes courage, and it comes with a cost. We know because we pray for the persecuted church every week that for some people it costs them everything. And yet last night I'm sitting there and my attention is drawn to a cause and I feel I should give. And I get my wallet out and then it happens. And I know I'm not alone in this, but I'm going to talk into it because we need to hear this. I need to hear this. I start making excuses. I start thinking about what I don't have in my bank balance or how many outgoings I've had this month and I'm beginning to rationalize away the reason it would be all right not to give to this particular thing. And the still small voice, just like Elsa, will not let me go until I have given that money. It was a small sum. It's nothing major. If I can't do it on the small things, I'll never do it with the big things. And this guy, this rich young ruler, he'd done all of the outward things. He had followed all of God's commandments, which is pretty impressive. And Jesus says, but there's still one thing. And he looks at him with such love and with such high regard. And he says, look, you've got to leave your comfort behind, mate. You've got to leave your security behind. A life following me isn't a life of self-reliance. It's a life of trust. Well, God, I would follow you, but I just need to get this bit sorted first. Oh, God, I would serve you in that area, but I don't want my lifestyle to suffer. God, I would give give this amount, but it's too hard. Church... The Holy Spirit is called the comforter. Yes, he comforts us in our grief. But I think it's the uncomfortable who need a comforter, isn't it? It's not just the grieving. It's the uncomfortable who need a comforter. Why would we need a comforter if we were called to a comfortable life? I know this isn't going to be a message that gets loads of amens. But do you know what? We have so much in our Western world. And I just don't want for us to live a life that ticks all the boxes where we say we know Jesus because we do all of the outward stuff, but inwardly our hearts are comfortable and safe. And when God's still small voice comes, it's just easy to hold him at arm's length because why lose all this? Just throwing it out there. The unknown is unpredictable. Do not be dismayed. Don't be intimidated is God's command to the Israelites in that moment. I don't know how you are with change. Oh, change. It's an inevitable byproduct of life with Jesus, isn't it? Following him is a journey of transformation. We are called to change daily, to become more like him. So change is a healthy sign of the kingdom at work. It's a healthy sign of knowing Jesus. But the truth is that however much we may say we love change, so often we struggle to adjust to it. I struggle to adjust to it. And how do I know How do I know that we struggle with change? Because I can pretty much predict where many of you who have been here for a while will sit. The rough vicinity where you're going to sit in church on a Sunday. Even those of you who tell me you're early adopters. We're creatures of habits. It's how we are. We default to what we like and we default to what we know. 
But knowing Jesus and following him into the unknown, by definition, has to look like letting go of the outcome or the destination. To know him is to become more like him. That's the one end goal that we can fix our eyes on, aside from eternity with him. Beyond that, we're called to remain pliable, flexible. Change comes. And sometimes God uses the change moments in our lives to set us on the right course. But our problem is that we then enshrine that stepping stone and we make that the outcome. When actually he's like, well, that was just a stepping stone. There's another one now. Let go. Let go. And step into the next thing that I have for you. Is your Christian walk predictable? If so, it's time to venture into the unknown again. It's time to make peace with change. Don't fight it. Don't avoid it. Try to embrace it. God is calling us to be those who are willing to let go. Let go of our preference. Let go of the way things always were. Let go of the things that we fiercely want to remain the same. To have open hearts, open spirits. The thing about faith is that when change comes, when things come that are curveballs that we weren't expecting, we have two choices. Either we can see them as a setback or we can see them as a springboard. And I believe that faith turns every setback into a springboard, that Jesus is able to turn every setback into a springboard. Audacious faith isn't held back by discouragement or disappointment. There's a fire in our bellies that comes when we get used to that unpredictable life with Jesus. What on earth made Rick and Bev Morrill give up their comfortable life leading a church in Australia, come to the other side of the world to a small Baptist chapel, leaving two of their four children behind? What on earth would make them do that? It can only be that unsettling but beautiful, inimitable voice of Jesus saying, I want you to know me more. And because they did, we know him more. Each of us has been blessed with the most incredible gift of stepping into more and more of a faith journey because of their example. What would take Josiah and Vicky? What, what on earth would make them travel all the way to New Zealand, taking their family with them, leaving all of this beautiful support network, friendships that they'd had for years, travel to the other side of the world to pioneer and plant a church in another land. Wow, it just takes so much courage. And yes, setbacks will come. They will. But it's possible to turn a setback into a springboard if we'll allow God to do that. Finally, the unknown is unprecedented. That means there's no model for it. There's no precedent for it. It's entirely new. And I don't know about you, but I find the unprecedented exhilarating and I find it stretching. Life in color, life in 3D. You see, in the unknown, we're called to pioneer. What's happening in our network at the moment 
is a new blueprint. I can't really describe it to you. I just know it's new. It's not being done by anybody else. There's this kind of uniqueness over what God is calling us to. And so we have historically been a network that plants churches and encourages local churches. But now we've stretched out the canopy and we want to see leaders in the marketplace empowered and released and sent out. We want to see NGOs and charities and entrepreneurial um, ventures brought into the fold and encouraged and equipped and released to go and make a difference to the ends of the earth. We've seen missional communities planted um, and they don't look anything like an established church, but they're going out and they're reaching into their, some of the darkest, difficult, most difficult places and making a difference. It's exciting. It's an exciting time. You see, Unprecedented is unlimited in creativity, innovation, and possibilities. And that's what faith ventures look like. They go against the flow. We want to be the molders rather than the molded. But within that, within the uncertainty, within the unfamiliarity, there is unprecedented joy. There's unprecedented grace. There is unprecedented favor along the way. And there is a depth of relationship to be found with Jesus that can't be discovered any other way. I don't understand why it is that I encounter people in other nations who materially seem to have so much less than I, yet who spiritually seem to have a richness and a depth to their relationship with God that I could only dream of. I don't know why that is. But what it teaches me is that the danger for us living in this part of the world, being born into this culture that we find ourselves in, is that we never, ever become fully fledged at venturing into the unknown spaces. That instead, we stay in our comfort zone. We stay in our safety. We rely on ourselves. And we'll have a relationship with God, but will it be at that life-changing level? I don't know. There's a beautiful, beautiful promise at the end of these verses from Joshua, which is that as we venture into the unknown with Jesus, we are never alone. And I love this quote from Corrie ten Boom, which says, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. You see, the God who knows your name, the God who knows every number of hairs on your head, the God who knit you together in your mother's womb, who knows all about you, he's the one, he's the voice that calls you to venture out of your comfort zone, to take a risk and to step into the unknown with him. What would that look like for you this week, I wonder? Maybe it would look like having that conversation with your colleague that you've been meaning to strike up for ages. Maybe it would look like getting into the prayer room and praying unrelentingly for that thing that you just want to see shift over your family or over a particular situation, over a nation. Maybe this week it looks like listening to the still small voice that's been nudging you to an act of kindness or generosity where you've just closed the door slightly. Or perhaps it's a bigger life-changing moment. I don't know. But the promise is this, that wherever you venture into that new territory, into that new space, you will never be alone. 
Not one nanosecond of your life will you be alone. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. My own sheep will hear my voice. And I know each one. And they will follow me. I give to them the gift of eternal life. And they will never be lost. And no one has the power to snatch them out of my hands. So my advice for us today, if the cry of your heart is, I want to know you better, I believe that the way to do that is to venture into the unknown again. Let's stand. Spirit of God, we acknowledge your presence already at work in hearts and lives this morning. I believe that you're calling us as a church out into those unknown places and spaces. I see, we see what you're doing in our network. And we're not isolated from that. Lord, we are a a big church. So it's pretty easy to hide in this place from others. But we can't hide from you. You see. You see us today. And you know us. And you really, really want us to know you more. But more than that, God, there are a sea and an army of faces and names of others that you know intimately, that you are longing to come to know you. And we could be the difference between them discovering you or not. So, Lord, I pray today that you would deliver us from our comfortable existence. I pray, God, that you would help us in our desire for safety and security, not to find that in anything other than you. Pray you'd help us with that, God, because it's so difficult with all that we've been blessed with not to put our hope and our trust in those other things. I pray, God, that we would be a church that continues to let go of our idols, that we'd be people who let go of our idols in pursuit of you. Jesus, we want to know you more. We long to know you more. And as you call us into the unknown, I pray that you would strengthen us and you would give us courage. I pray, Lord, that we would not be terrified, that we would move faster than our fear, that you would show us how to fear less. And I ask God that for those of us today who are sitting in our relatively comfortable place and hearing that irritating small voice saying, come on, come on. You were made for more than this. Come on, come on, it's time. Come on, come on. That you would give us courage just to take that next step. That's all we need to do, God. We don't need to see the end. We're becoming more like you. That's the end. That's the end goal. But Lord, everything else is just you saying, come on, position yourself here. Come on, step out here. Take the next step. Take the next step. Lord, I pray over this beautiful community of believers today. 
that not one person would leave this place without hearing you just gently reveal a next step. Would you show us right now, I pray. Thank you, God. And Lord, we just lay all that we are and all that we have at your feet. I pray that the things that we have would never hold us. I pray, Lord, that in the moment where you ask us to risk it all in pursuit of you, we would we'd follow. And so now, Lord, I commission Skylark Church to venture into the unknown, into those parts of our city, into those sectors of the population who most need us to be your hands, your feet, and your mouthpiece. I pray strength and grace over each one of us in abundance. I pray that in those places, looking at those faces, interacting with those people, we would know you in a way that we had never known you before. And we would become more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, guys.